the Bloom podcast about bioeconomy. In the Bloom podcast series, we address different aspects of so-called bioeconomy. We talk to different experts not only to understand the potentials but also the limits and challenges of bioeconomy. My name is Błażej Davidson and in this episode I will talk to Maciej Guzik about bioplastics made from bacteria. Dr. Maciej Guzik is microbiologist at the Jerzy Haber Institute of Catalysis and Surface Chemistry at the Polish Academy of Science in Krakow. His main area of current research lies in the realm of enzymatic catalysis. He also focuses on high cell density fermentation and molecular genetics of bacteria producing biodegradable polymers. Could you tell us a bit about yourself? So uh, what is your background and what do you do in the Institute? So I'm microbiologist. I finished environmental protection to start with in Krakow. And then I moved to do my PhD in Dublin uh, with regards to microbiology. Actually, I was fascinated once with a talk that my future supervisor had made and he was talking about good bacteria, uh, eating bad plastic and producing good plastic. So I started working with a project on conversion of polyethylene to biodegradable polymers, bioplastics, using bacteria. Then after I moved to Krakow and set up my own research group, so I focus on production of bioplastics. So you just mentioned about bioplastics, uh, about biopolymers. It is a very interesting, uh, innovative topic. So could you explain us what bioplastics really are? So these are polyesters produced by bacteria and a lot of different strains around the world produce these. And usually they produce bioplastics as a stress-related response. So when the environment is um, harsh and they need to survive, it's like comparing them to bears for winter. Bear prepares for winter and gathers fat. So bacteria gather fat inside within the cells as little pearls. This is bioplastic and I work with this. I ferment bacteria and produce bioplastic. This process of production of bioplastic, you, you just told us that you use bacteria. So how do you prepare this kind of bacteria to do this process? The process is very simple. Everyone knows uh, word fermentation because it uh, connects with fermentation of alcohol, ethyl alcohol that we drink in beer and wine. We use the same process to produce bioplastics. So we feed bacteria with, let's say, sugar solution or glycerol or fatty acid. And in a fermenter, so this is a very controlled environment. You have a special vessel where you control a temperature, uh, where you control feed of oxygen. And for the process that takes 30 hours, you can accumulate a lot of bacterial biomass. And inside of that biomass, there is bioplastic, those polyesters. Then after, when the process is finished, you dry the bacterial cells and extract it with solvents like acetone, and you have your polymer inside of that acetone. The last step is to get the polymer out of the solution and you precipitate the polymer in an alcohol solution. And then you have a polymer already made and extracted from bacterial cells. And what can be manufactured from this kind of material, biopolymers? The possibilities are actually endless because this material has two great features. First of all, it's biodegradable. It means that anything made of it, let's say 
one-time use cutlery or plastic bottle can be thrown into a compost and this will disintegrate within three months. So the other feature is biocompatibility. It means that material produced from those polyesters, bioplastics, is completely harmless to humans. So we can produce implants, medical devices that can come into contact with our skin, our body, or body fluids. And our organisms, they will recognize these materials as our own. So when we consider first feature, biodegradability, we can use those um, polymers for construction of bottles, plastic cutlery, straws, earbuds, and any daily objects made commonly from plastics. On the other hand, in my laboratory, we produce some medical devices, for example, soft foams for wound healing, hard foams for bone regeneration. But there are also possibilities to use these plastics. You can take out small particles making, forming those polymers, and you can prepare solvents, green solvents, or even bioactive molecules connecting these monomers with other bioactive drugs. I think you brought with you some kind of polymer which can be used yes. uh, for health reasons. So this is a piece of one of the type of bioplastics, it's polyhydroxyoctanoate. And this is an elastomeric material that we form into soft foams in our lab to heal wounds. And also we cooperate with ceramic department. They produce those little ceramic foams for implants or bone regeneration. And we cover those implants with a thin layer of this biopolymer because it's biocompatible. And also one can add a drug to it, let's say diclofenac or steroid or antibiotic. So it will ensure a slow release of the drug into one's body. So if you have a biodegradable implant, how does it behave uh, inside of your body? Does mm -hmm. it disintegrate or change somehow? Of course it will disintegrate because it's biodegradable and biocompatible. It means that the whole polymer chain length, it's built up of monomers, which are metabolites of fatty acid metabolism. Everyone eats here fats every day, and we have those monomers, pearls, building the polymer inside of our body. However, the process of disintegration or sorption of that polymer in our body is very long. Let's say, imagine if you have a thread that surgeons, they use for sewing patient. A small thread like that will disintegrate within 24 months in your body. So when you have an implant with a really thin layer of the biopolymer, bio it will for the long time release the drug and be decomposed and our body will feed on it also. So the regenerating tissue will have a very good environment to grow on it and consume it slowly. However, when we consider a wound patch of, made of our bioplastic, it will allow the skin to grow on it and slowly be decomposed to leave the skin, new skin, untouched. Mm -hmm. So what does stop us from using polymers in mass production? Here we have to consider two areas of applications. First area of application is the medical industry. 
when one considers a device that needs to be implanted in uh, one's body, then we need to go through a lengthy process of legal assessment and biological assessment of such a material that lasts for around 20 years for a given drug from discovery to the patient. On the other hand, we have non-medical applications um, like one single-use plastics. And so far, I think the price is the issue. We are producing worldwide bioplastics like polylactide or PHB on a mass scale now. But however, different types of bioplastics like these, they are produced only on a lab scale. So we are talking here about high costs of production. However, when one will consider producing the biopolymers on larger scale, the cost will significantly drop. We are talking here for a kilo of biopolymer produced in a lab, it's one euro fifty, and when you consider polyethylene, it's ninety euro cents. So the price is nearly doubled. What are your plans for the future? How do you want to develop this product? We have applied for a large grant, now basing this on a previously obtained biomedical grant. Uh, so we are trying to show to the society that we are able to produce bioplastics on a large scale from cheap resources like waste fatty acids or waste glycerin. And my aim is to deliver to the market a palette of different biopolymers with different physical chemical properties. It means that when we accomplish uh, the project that has just started, we will have an offer to the market for example, that one can use a very hard plastic, very hard polymer, or a blend of it with a polymer that resembles liquid honey. So from very hard to very liquid, uh, we will be able to provide different pre-materials to produce single-use products. You told us that you have to stress the bacteria to make them produce the plastic. So mm -hmm. uh, what does it mean to stress bacteria? Maybe it can sound really harsh, uh, that we are doing something very bad to those bacteria, but we are actually reproducing this is what happens in the environment. It is a very simple process. So we give them optimal conditions in the beginning of the fermentation, allow them to grow fast, uh, to accumulate a lot of biomass. And by biomass, I mean cell mass without any polymer in it. But they need to have a trigger. So you need to tell them, now guys, you stop growing, but you will start producing polymer, bioplastic inside. And this trigger is a very finely programmed medium that you cultivate bacteria in. It means that we design a fermentation feed that at certain hour, let's say nitrogen or phosphates, they will run out and bacteria will be so stressed that they don't have this inorganic nutrient that they will start to accumulate biopolymer inside. And this trigger can make them accumulate even 90% of their biomass with bioplastic. How long does it take to produce uh, this plastic? So how, how long bacteria need to work to have effects? One has to now consider that um, as many different strains of bacteria, there can be different types of polymer. And each strain and each substrate that we feed to bacteria is a different process. Let's say for this type of polymer, which is elastomeric, the process lasts 
32 hours. And we talk only here about the fermentation, not the downstream processing, drying, extraction and precipitation. So 32 hours, the fermentation. But when we consider, for example, production of PHB from glycerol, it can last 48 hours. So those are the typical times of fermentations from 30 to 60 hours, and we get a decent biomass with decent amount of PHA, the biopolymer inside of bacteria. Could you tell us a bit about the history uh, of this research and discovery? So when did it all start? So we have to go back one century ago. And in 1920s, PHB, polyhydroxybutyrate, was first discovered by French scientists. And then this polymer has been forgotten for a couple of decades. In the 60s, uh, people started working again on it and rediscovering different types of biopolymers. So discovering the array of different types with different uh, physical chemical properties made scientists think that they can be very good substitutes for fossil-based polymers. And it has already started in a couple of countries like United States, Italy, for example, where people are producing PHB uh, from natural resources and exchanging conventional polymers for making, for example, cups, cutlery and straws. And I have also a very general question. So how do you think uh, biopolymers, bioplastic, address challenges of circular economy? I think here we can um, use these polymers to close the carbon cycle uh, that is not controlled when we use fossil fuels uh, to produce biopolymers. And let's say that we can consider local production of substrates and deliver these to biorefinery block that uh, has in mind to produce biopolymers and then use them locally as well. Also, there are two routes of retrieving the biopolymer after it's been used. So first of all, we can compost it in our gardens or industrial compost, or we can create um, points, collection points that they will take biopolymers and revert them to the fermentation process. So we are closing the loops here and upgrading as well the local resources so far seen as wastes. So have you just said that this is a reversible process, the production of the plastic? Yes, it can be reversible because you can decompose that polymer to its monomers and feed these to bacteria. So doing so, you will obtain exactly the same polymer that you had in the beginning. So when you compare it to fossil-based polymers, they usually, after several cycles of recycling, they lose on their properties. But here, as they are biodegradable, they can be food also for bacteria to make them from the beginning. So do you think that uh, the bioplastic biopolymer can replace uh, one day the uh, fossil-based uh, plastics? And how do you think, how long will it take? I'm an optimist, so my answer is yes. It, it will definitely replace fossil-based uh, fuels, but it will not happen very quickly. Uh, we are still uh, tapping into resources of fossil fuels, and until they are there, um, bioplastics will be very slowly 
approaching the market. However, everything depends on the price of those polymers. We are talking now about small amounts being produced worldwide. However, when we look at the trends, it is exponentially increasing year to year. Once we have established processes that can efficiently use resources uh, locally, then I think the price will be no longer an issue. And they can offer these polymers, they can offer so many different properties, so we can exchange nearly everything with help of polymer scientists. Definitely it's doable. Maybe not in our lifetime, but it will be very shortly soon. After. Shortly after. <laughs> Thank you very much, Machi, for explaining a very interesting topic in such an understandable way. Dear listeners, for more information on Bioeconomy and the Bloom project, please visit our website at www.bloom-bioeconomy.eu. Stay tuned to the Bloom podcasts for more interesting interviews and talks with experts on bioeconomy-related topics.